2: What a shot, first OHL goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Medard has arrived here at the branch center, Is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save, watch out, watch out! UMass are national champions!
0: The NHL Draft. I am Spash and Kosa. This is Dylan Gunther of the Noah Kings. This is William Mack from from in here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moonset. Hey, it's Paul of the 2-5 Stampede. This is Paul biond I play for Luleå. Hey, it's Corson Coleman from Brex Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Camel Blazers. It's Jesse Wolfis from Luleå Hockey. And more. Bring it! This
1: is The Pipeline Show.
2: Scandal rocks the NHL and the hockey world in general. We got an epic matchup of two of the top teams in the entire Canadian Hockey League clashing tonight here in Edmonton. A look through all the leading scorers in all the major leagues in North America, and we'll get you set for the college hockey weekend as well. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Gee Flaming. The program is brought to you by our title sponsor, Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It is Alberta's best beef jerky. If you have not had Wilhawk Beef Jerky yet, Stop what you're doing right now. Go to willhawkbeefjerky.com. Make sure you get your order in. Contact Trent at the Leduc location, Leduc, Alberta. There's also the location in Spruce Grove. But if you're ordering to have it shipped to you, any size, any order, anywhere in Western Canada, get in touch with Trent in Leduc. Let him know the pipeline shows, ain't you? But there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who know that Willhawk Beef Jerky is Alberta's best beef jerky, the best beef jerky you've ever had. And then there's the people who have not tried Wilhawk Beef Jerky. You're in one of two camps. That's it. WilhawkBeefJerky.com I don't have a question of the week for you this week. This has been a strange week uh, for the Pipeline show as I had guests booked early. And then as the week went on, half of them bailed at the last minute. So uh, unfortunately, this is going to be a much shorter show than usual. Only two guests this week. And I apologize for that. I, I don't like only having two guests. I think three is the minimum for me. But uh, rather than uh, take these interviews that you're going to hear today and to push them to next week's show, th- then it'd really be dated. So uh, we're we're going to go with the two guest interviews that I did earlier this week. Now, one of the guests that uh, wasn't able to join me as scheduled, he will join me uh, early next week uh, in time for next week's show. Patrons will get to hear that on Monday evening. Uh, but the fourth guest that had uh, had a tentative confirmation from, in fact, previous to last week's show, uh, they ghosted me. Uh, they wouldn't. Uh, they haven't replied to texts or emails or or anything. Uh, so I think I won't be talking about the BCHL for a little bit. Anyway, let's get right to the uh, CHL news and the NCAA notes. And I think we kind of have to start with the big news this week with the massive scandal now in the NHL. It's a sexual abuse story out of uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, the victim is who I want to talk about here with Kyle Beach who if you you haven't seen the interview that he did with uh, Rick Westhead from TSN earlier this week I think it was on Wednesday uh, I would recommend you watch it it's a very difficult thing to watch it's about 20 25 minutes long and it's a it's a guy bearing his soul and you can tell this is absolutely killing him the only thing worse probably than him sharing this publicly and on camera is not doing so. Because you, you, you can tell, you just watch him. This has been killing him from the inside out since this happened back in 2010. I absolutely feel for this guy. I, I've always kind of had a soft spot for Kyle Beach. I As a player, and I, I only know him as a player in the Western Hockey League. I talked to him a couple of times uh, since his his tenure in in the dub. The last time he was on the show was in 2012. And I shared that uh, interview via Twitter yesterday. You can uh, see that at TPS underscore Guy is where you get me on Twitter. Uh, But as a WHL or Kyle Beach alt, he was fantastic. He was a guy very much hated by the opposition and their fan base. But what I found really interesting was when he was traded from Everett to Lethbridge and then ended up in Spokane, getting to talk to some people who... Some of the players he played against, they hated him, but then became teammates. And they were like, this guy is not that way as a teammate. Like he's a terrific guy on the ice, man. He could play that role. He would really get into your skin. He was no angel on the ice. Don't get me wrong. You know, I, and I had heard some stories about some of the things he said on the ice to try to get guys off their game. And probably it's fair to say some of that was uh, crossing the line. But as a teammate, stand-up guy he'd do anything for your your club and as a teammate guys loved him he was always a great guest on on this show and whenever his team whichever team he was playing on would come through Edmonton I made sure that I chatted with him at the rink I thought he was really personable kid I liked him and as a hockey player I liked him big and strong and tough physical but he could skate he had hands scored a lacrosse goal the, the Michigan goal Uh, He scored uh, one of those, I think, his first stop with the Everett Silvertips through Edmonton uh, really early on in their tenure, uh, return to the league. I want to say it was probably 2008-ish, maybe 2009. I think I actually have that clip somewhere. If I can dig it up, maybe I'll play it. Uh, I always liked him as a player, and I had no question. There was no doubt in my mind this was an NHL player. You don't have skill like that and the toughness like that and the size and don't get a look. And so when he was drafted by Chicago in the first round, I that didn't phase me at all. It didn't surprise me in the, in the least. But then he would never get a sniff. He would never get that chance. He did not play a single game in the NHL. Jeez, I just pulled up his stats. I guess it would have been like 2007 when uh, Everett rolled through town uh, to play the Oil Kings, and he scored that goal. Anyway, regardless, here's a guy who was taken in the first round. The, the Blackhawks chose him 11th overall and he doesn't get a single game in the NHL. Has there ever been an NHL prospect taken that high, and he played with the organization for a while? He was in that organization his entire entry-level contract, that's three years, plus a little bit more the fourth year before uh, he ended up uh, going from Rockford to the Hartford Wolfpack. But not even a single game? I could never figure that out. Well, and now we know what the situation was, uh, and I absolutely feel for this guy. I, I think he got for lack of a better term, blacklisted, and to hear what life was like for him, absolutely disgusting and brutal. And to think that this is a guy who probably had his career ruined. Not just his career, man, his life. I I really feel for Kyle Beach. I wish him the absolute best. I think it was was a massive display of courage and all those cliches that you're hearing people throw out there. He deserves them. All the accolades, man. Nothing but respect for Kyle Beach. I think the the most painful part of watching that interview was when Rick asked him about uh, the, the kid in Michigan who that coach went on to abuse uh, two or three years later as a uh, he's 16 years old. And Kyle just breaks down. And he's apologizing to this guy as if it's his fault. And in his eyes, he, he, he sees that it, maybe it is his fault. Not that he did it, but that he could have prevented it. And to think that this guy's been carrying guilt like that, for a decade it's absolutely gut-wrenching i'm glad to see that people are paying the price now but this uh, should never have got to this point a horrific story a horrible story and if anything comes out of this i, I hope it's a uh, piece for kyle beach and he talked about uh, that healing process it sounds like he's in a good place uh, playing in germany right now it's the third division in germany so it's not the greatest league but he's in a comfortable uh surrounding and he's coming off a heck of a year, 60 points in just 36 games there last year. But it's not like he's too old, you know? He's hes 31 years old. It's probably a stretch to think that uh, he gets a chance at the NHL now, but man, what a shame. An absolute shame. It's a tragedy. He, I think he leaned into that role of playing the villain on the ice, and it sort of gave him a bad reputation. But he, he made a point when, one of the times I chatted with him in person where he said, you've always been good to me, and I appreciate that. And that's always stuck with me as well. So uh, all the best to you, Kyle Beach. All right, let's move on. And the uh, the big game this week in the Canadian Hockey League, sees it's tonight. As I'm speaking with you right now, it's Friday morning. The Edmonton Oil Kings are hosting the... Winnipeg Ice. That should be an epic match. The the Ice are eleven and O. They are now the number two ranked team in the Canadian Hockey League. Maybe we quickly we'll go through the top ten. Uh, the Quebec Rampire are still number one. Then Winnipeg. Then Edmonton. So you got the number two and the number three team colliding tonight. Winnipeg is scoring like gangbusters right now. They've hit ten goals twice this year. Once the first game of the year, and it was I've said it before against a very undermanned and injury plagued Brandon Wheat Kings team. But their last four wins have been really impressive to me. I'll get into that in a little, in a, in a second. Maybe uh, let's finish the top 10. Uh, after Edmonton, London is number four. They're also undefeated right now, 7-0. and The Kamloops Blazers are fifth. The Everett Silvertips are 6-0. and Winnipeg, London, and Everett, the only perfect records uh, still in the Canadian Hockey League. The acadie Bathurst, Teton, the Titan are seven. The Kitchener Rangers come in at number eight, followed by Rimouski and the Kingston Frontenac's. Round out the top 10. Leading scorer in the WHL is Tristan Robbins of the Saskatoon Blades. who's a terrific player. Comes back as a 20-year-old from the San Jose Sharks organization. I fully expect this is a guy should be in the top uh, uh, top three or five scores in the WHL all season long. Wouldn't be at all surprised to see him actually be the leading scorer in the dub this year. It's a huge get for uh, Saskatoon to have him uh, sent back to them. Mikey Milne is a second with 17 points. Lucas Fakoski of the Medicine Hat Tigers is uh, tied for third with uh, Kyle Krinkovic and Matthew Savoy. The big thing here is I think it was 11 players from the Winnipeg Ice are in the WHL's top 20. They've also now a couple of caveats. They've played more than anybody else in the league. They're up to 11 games already, but they've got 64 goals in just 11 games. That is a really impressive scoring pace. They've only given up 20 goals as well. What that tells me is they've got the puck a lot. And their power play is deadly. That's going to be a story to watch for uh, tonight. Okay, let's move quickly. We're going to shift to the Ontario Hockey League. The uh, leading scorer is there. Calgary Flames prospect Rory Karens has 15 points. He shares top spot with uh, Cole McKay of the Sioux Granny Hounds as well. Those two are teammates. And uh, Edmonton Oilers prospect Ty Tulio The captain of the Oshawa Generals also with 15 points. Brandon Coe and Tucker Robertson right behind with 14 points. And uh, Jack Thompson uh, of the Sudbury Wolves also right there with 14 points. As I mentioned, the London Knights are still perfect uh, atop the uh, OHL standings with a record of 7-0. But the Sioux Greyhounds, it's funny, they they got these leading scores, but they're 6-3 through 9 games. They're also getting it done offensively out to the queue and uh, Theo Rochette had a big week. He's now up to 19 points Riley Kidney of the Titans have uh, has 17 points Xavier Xavier Borgo has 16 points as does Joshua Wahu who was leading the league in scoring up until uh, this past week. William Dufour from the Saint John Sea Dogs has 15 points. No surprise that the, the Rampart are leading the league in scoring. They are the number 1 ranked team in the Canadian Hockey League. The record's nine and two, and I think if you're a Winnipeg Ice fan, you're thinking you might be thinking, okay, we're perfect eleven and zero. The Rampire have lost twice. Why are they ranked number one? It's a good question. My guess would be that it has to do with a strength of schedule so far. But I think the Ice are a pretty motivated bunch. They could actually set the record for the best start in the WHL this weekend if they beat Edmonton tonight. They would have twelve wins to start the year. And that would, be a tie, that would tie the record set by the Swift Current Broncos back in 88-89. And if they get wins tonight and tomorrow against the Lethbridge Hurricanes, giving them 13 straight victories, that would set a new record. So we'll watch to see if the Winnipeg Ice can manage that. This is not an easy trip for them. They are going through Alberta and they're playing four games in five days against teams, all of them above 500. My hat will be off to them if they're able to pull this off. They've got wins over Red Deer in Calgary already. They were off on Thursday. They play Edmonton tonight, and they play Lethbridge tomorrow. Going to the Canadian Junior Hockey League, the uh, top 20 looks like this. The Trenton Golden Hawks out of the Ontario Junior Hockey League. They are uh, ranked number one once again, as they were last week. The Brooks-Bannets have moved up from three to two. The Ottawa Junior A Senators uh, have vaulted from eight to number three, so lots of movement in the top ten. The Timmins Rock. Out of the Northern Ontario Junior Hockey League, they're, uh, they stay at number four. But I think they're the only team that don't move outside of Trenton, who was number one again. But the Steinbeck Pistons go from seven to five. North York is at six. Burlington, seven. Summerside, eight. The Bose Appalach Condors are number nine. I probably butchered that. The Weiwei Sicapo Wolverines out of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. They go from 19 all the way up to number 10. Last week's number two team, the Georgetown Raiders, fall to 11. Then you've got the Thunder Bay North Stars, the Panthers of uh, St. Jerome at 13. Hurst is 14, followed by Oakville, Humboldt, Campbellton, the Sioux Thunderbirds, the Navingrads, and uh, number 20, the Spruce Grove Saints. Speaking of the Saints, quick look at the Alberta Junior Hockey League. The uh, standings, well, you're not going to be surprised uh, that uh, Spruce Grove and Brooks are the leaders of their two Divisions, respectively. Spruce Grove up north. Hot on the heels of them, though, are the Fort Mac Oil Barons. Just separated by one win. And the Oil Barons do have a game in hand. Bonneville has two games in hand and are back by three points from top spot. So, real close race at the uh, top of the uh, Viterra AJHL North division. And in the south, it's uh, Brooks with a, a bit of a cushion atop the standings with 26 points. And Drumheller and Camrose both with 21 Leading scorers in the AJHL, Ryan McAllister of the Brooks Bandits, has 33 points in just 14 games. Noah Hackett of the Olds Grizzlies, 31 points in 18 games. He's second in scoring. Six foot one, 19 years old, does not have a college commitment yet. You'd have to think uh, there's teams who are looking his direction now. Let's go south of the border to the USHL and the uh, league standings. Last week, we saw a very narrow uh, lead in the uh, Eastern Conference. The Chicago Steel were on top. They still are, and it's uh, still close. The Madison Capitals are a win back and have a game in hand. And those are the top two teams in the USHL right now. But in the West, it's another close race. Sioux City, Lincoln, Des Moines, and a Tri-City all with at least five victories. Jackson Blake of the Chicago Steel and Adam Fantilli also with the Steel continue to lead the league in scoring. Amarillo might be the hottest team in the in the Nall again as uh, they're riding a four-game winning streak. and They're 7-3 and three in their past 10. But they are second in the South Division. Odessa leads the way with a record of 9-4-0-1. Top scorers in the North American Hockey League, it would be uh, Tommy Bannister from the New Jersey Titans. He's got 11 goals and 22 points in 16 outings. Brendan Dumas his teammate, just one point back of him, Ethan Benz of the Chippewa Steel, right back with uh, 20 points. Let's shift to the NCAA, and uh, leading the way in scoring is still Matthew Copperwood from the Arizona State Sun Devils with 15 points, including a NCAA high seven goals. He shares the lead in that department with uh, Brendan Bresson of the Michigan Wolverines and Carson Breer from Mercyhurst. Second in Division I scoring is Louis Boudon from Lake Superior. He has 13 points. Carter Savoy and Josh Doan from Denver and ASU, respectively, both with 12 points. Savoy had that massive six-point game a week ago. Michigan was at home to Wisconsin last night, and the Wolverines pulled out a 3 nothing shutout victory against their Big Ten rivals. They will play again tonight. Also in Big Ten action, Michigan State is at Ohio State. And the Golden Gophers of Minnesota welcome the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Elsewhere in NCAA hockey, CCHA matchups. Bowling Green is in Bemidji State. Minnesota State welcomes Northern Michigan. A few of the Ivies get going this weekend. Cornell plays at home against uh, Alaska. Harvard is on the road playing against Dartmouth. Other non-conference games, uh, Colgate is in action. After uh, splitting with Arizona State last weekend, an impressive 8-3 win on a Friday night. Well, they've got another tough uh, weekend. Western Michigan, the Broncos, playing well. They'll take on the Raiders. Arizona State is at home to St. Thomas. Speaking of new clubs, the Long Island Sharks. They're in Omaha to play the uh, Mavericks. And should be a good one uh, between Michigan Tech and Clarkson as well. So lots of interesting matchups this week in college hockey. All my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Troubled Monk is based in Red Deer, Alberta, and uh, the big news this week for Troubled Monk, I see the Rebel's Red Red Ale back on the website, but it's never available for long, so it's there now. You better get your hands on it. While you can, go to troubledmonk.com shop, use promo code PIPELINE when you order your home delivery, and it will arrive at your door absolutely no charge for that delivery. As long as you live between Calgary and St. Albert, and all the towns in between, and that includes Edmonton and Sherwood Park and Airdrie and Pinocca and Olds, Sylvan Lake on that list as well. So lots of places up and down Highway 2. Troubled Monk has got you covered for this weekend's Hockey Watching. As I mentioned, just the two guests uh, this week, because they had a couple of late cancellations, or one, one postponement to next week, and uh, one ghosting. But the two guests that you will hear from, one is the head coach of the Madison Capitals. His name is Tom Upton. That team playing very well out of the, in the early stages of the USHL season. Lots of interesting uh, players to watch for on that roster as well. And uh, a fun conversation with Tom Upton. And the other guest this week will turn on the 2022 draft spotlight. And perfect timing with the Winnipeg Ice coming to Edmonton tonight. Matthew Savoy, Edmonton area kid. He's from St. Albert. Ranked very high for the 2022 NHL Draft. Chatted with him earlier in the week. Patrons have been able to hear that interview for like three days already. We'll share it with everybody else as well. Matthew Savoy will close out this week's show. And before we get going, reminder that ProStockHockey.com is your authentic online source for pro stock hockey equipment, whether it's sticks or gloves, everything else. Go to their website. It's ProStockHockey.com follow them on Twitter as well at Pro Stock Hockey. You're gonna let them know the pipeline show saying. All right, let's kick things off. We'll head south, we'll talk USHL hockey with Tom Upton, the head coach of the Madison Capitals. Let's look at the Mad Caps next, here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Will Hawk, Beef Jerky. Yorkstrap hustles
1: after it. Gabrikov off the point, Sillinger is first in the National Hockey League
0: Hey, it's Cole Sillinger, the 2 False stand
2: and this is the Pipeline Show Passion, talent, development, NCAA hockey
1: offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate Dylan Larkin can
2: scores! Wow, what a goal! Kevin
1: Shattenkirk goal! And James Van Reemsite were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world!
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, Badass. It is badass. Really cool. Badass.
2: One. Yeah. We're back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to begin this week's episode uh, south of the border. But uh, of course, a reminder: the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. It's the best beef jerky you've ever had. And if you've never had it, well, it's the best beef jerky that you haven't had yet. Uh, and my next guest, well, a little far away to get some uh, Wilhock beef jerky up here, but uh, from the Madison Capitals in the USHL in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, pleased to be joined now by the uh, head coach. That is Tom Upton. Uh, Tom, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for taking the time today. Uh, busy weekend for you, but man, you guys keep on clicking. How are things right now?
1: Oh, uh, thanks, Ian. and number one, I appreciate you having me on here. And um, you know, things are going well for us right now. Obviously, we're uh, we're finding ways to win games, which uh, you know, winning's hard. You know, in any league, um, and uh, we're you know, we're playing very good hockey at times. and and at other times when we're not playing our best, we're finding ways to win, which is uh, obviously a big testament to our group and, and the culture we're trying to create here. So it's it's been a nice start, but it's very early in the year. So
2: well, seven one and one on the season, but riding a seven zero oh and one streak. So it tells me you lost the opening night. That's uh you know scientific deduction on my part there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what's uh, more impressive that that streak that you're on right now, or the fact that you're doing it when you didn't play at all last year, a lot of your players were in the league, but spread out all over. It almost has the feel of an expansion season a bit here, but unlike most expansion yeah. teams, you're flying.
1: Yeah. You know what? Again, like it's, it's just, a, it's a testament to number one, our, our ownership. Um, Ryan Suter is our owner. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, his support through last year was unwavering. You know, when, uh, when we were told we weren't able to play because it's going, uh, you know, County, covid regulations um you know ryan could have easily obviously you know pulled the plug or we gone in a different direction with our own organization not not being around for a whole year competing and having fans and and all that stuff and the fact that he stuck with us and with our staff and, and with our team and continue to support us on you know from a scouting front and and things like that to prepare for our draft last may and Uh, to carry on this year just shows uh you know the the high-end owner that that i believe he is in junior hockey and we we wouldn't be where we are at all without his support
2: just out of curiosity i mean last year was your first year behind the bench except you couldn't go behind the bench because the the team didn't play (laughs) at all what'd you do last year as the head coach of the team
1: you know what i um i'm i'm more of a glass half full guy so you know easily could have sat around and felt sorry for ourselves but um i actually took a lot of the positives out of the year personally i I thought it was a great opportunity for myself um to get involved with the youth hockey in our area get involved with just hockey in wisconsin in general get to know different different youth directors and high school coaches from around the area and um you know all that you know try to make myself better as a coach and better as a part of this community here um and then on top of that just just scouted most of the year you know went on the road scouting you know pretty much every weekend and and got prepared for our draft because we still had a draft in May and uh, we still had to build our team for this year. So, you know, sitting around feeling, I'm sorry for ourselves for not playing, uh, wasn't going to get that job done and wasn't going to prepare us for this season. And um, again, we couldn't have done it without the support of our owner Ryan and, and our, our president, Andrew Jodry. And um, you know, right now it's, it's, it's working out well.
2: Tom Upton is the head coach of the uh, Madison Capitals. The Madcaps off to a great start this year. Uh, and when I'm looking at the leading scorers in the league, I'm, I'm thinking, OK, well, who's leading the Caps uh, here uh, to start the season? It's not one guy. It's not even one line. You've got seven or eight guys who are a point per game uh, so far this year. That's incredible. Uh, it's, I mean, it's offense by committee. But in those situations, you don't usually see a team being this offensively uh, prolific.
1: Yeah, you know what? We Our, our depth has been good so far. And, and we've been very happy with the production of... Out of all of our lines and all of our defensemen and, um, you know, the way we tried to build our team since since I arrived here was we wanted to be skilled. We wanted to be offensive. And, and I think that, that so far, you know, we've, we've achieved that with some of our guys with their skill set and, and with the way they can make plays and things like that. So,
2: uh, Well, if you could uh, talk about a few of your individual uh, leaders. Well, I mean, offensively, they're they're all it seems like they're all leaders. But uh, who are some of the guys that you can depend on? Maybe some of the veterans uh, in the league uh, that have been around for a while?
1: Yeah, you know, there, there's obviously, as you said, there's a lot of guys right now that we're depending on and we're leaning on. We're getting great production from anybody, but um, obviously Luke Metalstead and Ben Dexheimer on the back end have really stood out at times for us, being consistent guys that play in every situation. They play a lot of minutes. Um, you know, up front, uh, Tyler Haskins, Quinn Finley have, have done a great job um, with point production uh reed pavich jack horbach and jack musa who jack musa was a kid we drafted in the first round this year uh, along with Dexheimer. and it's actually jack musa's first year in our league but he's he's off to a great stop start and then our our young guys um are doing a heck of a job as well you know kyle is another uh another rookie and barrett brooks an older guy but he's a rookie as well and those guys are are doing well in the areas that they focus on and and nathan lewis is has he emerged here as one of our O fours that has, that has been scoring some goals and producing and um, obviously at the end of the day, uh, the most important position on the team, and I don't, I, I don't worry about saying this because I tell our team this too every now and then, is, uh, our goaltending. Our goaltending's been, uh, been excellent. Um, Simon is a veteran who won a Clark Cup last year with Chicago Steel, and he's a world junior goalie for, for the Slovakian national team. So, um, his experience and his demeanor is, is, uh, is second to none, I believe, in our league, along with the fact that he's a great goalie and a great person. Um, and then Marino Ramirez, um, who's uh, Simon's goalie partner, and when Marino has 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 gone in games, he's performed very well. Also for a uh, for a younger rookie, so um, you know, top to bottom, I I've been very impressed with our depth, and and you know everybody's been contributing in, in some way or fashion. And um, you know that's what we communicate with our team. We tell them, Hey, listen, like you, you need to, you need to find ways to help us win games. You know, it's not good enough to just you know be a good guy and work hard. You know we all should be good guys we all should work hard um, those aren't reasons to be in the lineup uh, you need to give us you know, true reasons to be in the lineup and you're either you are either helping us win games or you're, help, or, or you're not helping us win games and you know it's just that brutal honesty with our group that we that we discuss weekly and daily and um the guys have done a great job of, of helping us win games whether they're putting up points or you know competing hard or playing to our identity or maybe on the penalty kill or power play or even if it's a guy that only gets you know a couple shifts a period those guys are contributing with their energy and being great teammates and being assertive with their decisions um, so top to bottom the boys have done a great job I'm very proud of that you know besides besides the record you know those things have been great
2: coach with uh, last year the team not playing uh, I'm not sure how many listeners will will know but all all the players um, that were in the league last year that belonged to the Capitals were kind of spread out around the, the USHL. I'm not, I'm not yep. entirely sure how it was determined who would go where. Uh, maybe that's not important, but were did you have contact with those players throughout the season as the head coach, but not really hands on for those guys last year, or would that have been, you know, uncomfortable for the team that they were playing on to have, you know, another coach talking to those players. How did you handle that last year?
1: You know what? I just, um, I, I tried to give them their space and show their respect to their current teams, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I didn't want to be disrespectful to their current coaches or their current organizations, but you know, in reality, they're, they were guys that we knew were, were, were going to be back with us or possibly be back with us. Um, so, you know, just shooting them some communication every now and then. If, if they had a good game, you know, or a goal, just say congrats on the night and congrats on the goal or the win. Um, you know, but I did try to give them their space during the year, um, out of respect for the other coaches. And the other organizations in our league um you know but for me coming from division one hockey you know I, I just i looked at it kind of like um when when i was coaching in college hockey having a having a player that you've recruited for two years out and you know having him play uh junior hockey for an extra year right with like today's landscape with guys decommitting and and committing and then going somewhere else and transferring you know i just think relationships are so important and you know so i i kind of treated our guys that were playing for other teams in the league like that or you know, we did know that they were going to play for us in a year, but wanted to respect their current process, but also didn't want to become a stranger. You know, wanted to continue to build our relationship and our trust for this year. And, um,
0: you know, we had 11
1: players playing for other teams in our league last year. They were all picked up in a dispersal draft right before the season started. Um, and eight of those players are back with us this year. The other three uh, went on to college hockey. Wow. So they're not playing in our league this year. Uh, you know, but also you got to tip your hat to those guys for believing in what we're doing and wanting to come back. You know, some of those guys played, you know, everybody played for great organization. They easily could have, you know, said, Hey coach, I, you know, if you don't mind, I'd like to be traded here. Mm-hmm. You know, I've established myself here and things like that. And I was really impressed with the loyalty of all those guys and the respect and the trust and the belief in what we were doing here, even though we didn't participate uh, last year and they've all been a, been a huge part of our success early on.
2: I was going to ask if that actually came up with anybody. It's interesting that there that wasn't a situation uh, for any of those players. Uh, I know Kyle Kukinin is drafted uh, in the NHL draft this uh, this past July. Any other players on your roster who uh, are currently have NHL uh, connection?
1: Um, no, though, Kyle's our only drafted player, and we have three guys currently on the NHL Central Scouting list. Um, Tyler Haskins, Quinn Finley, and Trey Osmus are on that list for this coming draft. Um, but Kyle is our only currently
2: drafted player. Now he wasn't in the league last year, and probably only because of the COVID situation uh, for your club. I mean, he was back playing high school and and uh, in the Nall, yep. uh at the end of the year. Uh, what sort of a transition has he made? Because I know sometimes it can be a big jump for the high school guys to get to the USHL. But he's got ten points in nine games. Doesn't look like it's hampered him at all.
1: Yeah, you know what? And he uh, and he'll probably tell you this. I, you know, he he still got a lot of room to grow and learn before he moves on to play division one hockey and hopefully play in the NHL in the future. Um, his adjustment, you know, from a production standpoint has been great. You know, there's still, there's still a lot to his game that he, he still needs to learn. And um, it's a lot of habits, you know, coming from a level where, where you dominate, right. And this is for any player, whether mm-hmm. it's high school hockey or triple A hockey or, you know, junior B hockey, whatever it may be. Um, there's always an adjustment when you move on to a higher level. And, uh, and so he's got some habits still that, that we talk about daily with him and we go over on video and, his commitment to, uh, to wanting to be an NHLer has been has been tremendous. And, and the biggest thing with him that's been so oppressive for us is, uh, is his leadership. Um, he's, a, he's a true leader. He uh, And he's a great teammate. He doesn't worry about being anyone's friend. He looks at everybody like a teammate when he's around the room and when he's on the ice, which, you know, personally I think that there's a big difference in those two things with accountability and the way you communicate with your teammates as opposed to how you communicate with your friends and and he's done a great job with that, and that's why he's kind of emerged as a leader, even though it's technically his first year in our league.
2: Coach, can I ask you a little bit about your path uh, to get to where you are right now? And uh, I, I know you you're you're from Texas originally, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, New York City originally. Both my parents were New York City folks, um, and then when I was ten, we moved to Austin, Texas. So I did grow up in Austin, and my family still lives down there. Yeah, but you know, I don't I don't know if we have enough time to go through the whole thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, you know what? From a from a playing standpoint, I played in the North American League. And then I played Division III college hockey at Wisconsin Stevens Point. Yeah. Um, and then I, I played a couple weeks of pro hockey at the end of my senior year <laughs> at Stevens Point uh, in Columbus, uh, Georgia. Finished, finished the season with them down there and then went back to school. Um, and while I was uh, back at Stevens Point, uh, planning to go play pro again for, for the next year and, and working out and taking some of my summer classes, um, I got asked by our current head coach at the time was Will Nickel. Will's now the head of player development for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Will offered me an open assistant job on his staff. You know that's when I made the decision to get into coaching. And you know I coached at Stevens Point for three seasons, and then I was an assistant coach in Cedar Rapids in the USHL for for about um, you know a season and a couple months. And at the end of my second summer there, I was offered the head coach and GM job in the North American League with the Minnesota Magicians and coached there for two seasons. And then I went back to the USHL in Youngstown as an assistant coach. And then for three years uh, before this job previously was an assistant coach with Division One Mercyhurst University in Erie, Pennsylvania. And then, um, you know, like you said, too, you know, a little over a season and a half ago, I, I had a chance to be a head coach and GM with Madison and, and in this league. And uh, I just thought that it was a great opportunity for myself and my family to uh, to make this transition.
2: At your, uh, your fourth year at uh, Stevens Point, did you have any kind of feeling about going on and, and becoming a coach or was it not until you were offered that position that it kind of uh, entered your mind
1: it, it wasn't until i got offered the position to be honest with you. you know i was just i was uh i was a hockey player and and that's all i wanted to be and that's all i cared about you know and um you know i was realistic right coming from division three you know i, I probably wasn't going to play in the nhl but i sure i would have wanted to you know continue to play pro hockey maybe for a couple years and just and just see what i could do you know just coming from texas my you know, I always set little goals for myself as a player. You know, I wanted to play junior a hockey and I got the chance to do that out of the North American league. I felt lucky to do that. I was proud to do that and I wanted to play college hockey and obviously would have loved to play division one hockey, but realistically coming from Austin, Texas, where we practiced for an hour a week, my whole life growing up until I got (laughs) the juniors, um, just because of the lack of ice down there, uh, you know, was proud to play college hockey at the division three level at a great program like point. And then, um, you know, even though it was the Southern Pro League, it wasn't the American League or East Coast League, but you know be able to receive a paycheck to play pro hockey was kind of my last uh, my last check on on my playing career that I wanted to get and, and I was able to accomplish that i like I said at the end of my senior season at Stevens Point i I went down there and played a couple of weeks, I finished regular season with them and so the fact that I had kind of done that and checked that off my list made the, made the decision easier, but um you know looking at it or looking back at it, excuse me i uh, you know I knew I wanted to be involved in hockey in some way. And I figured that, you know what, I could probably coach a lot longer than I could play. You know, let's be realistic. So that's when I made the decision to transition uh, into an assistant coach. And, uh, you know, I fell in love with it right away. And it's it's obviously become my career and an enormous part of my life.
2: What was the name of the, the person that offered you the job initially? Will Nickel will nickel wills with vegas did you ever ask him like what he saw in you because if you'd never expressed an interest in coaching like how does it come to him what did he see in you that he thought you could become a good coach
1: yeah you know and that's the first that's the first question i asked him he (laughs) talked to me about it and i said well why me um you know me and will had a great relationship i was a captain for him there Mm -hmm. so i think that obviously had a lot to do with it and um you know, I think he saw, you know, in college hockey, obviously there's a lot of recruiting that comes on your plate when you're an assistant coach, you know, that's, that's the main part of the job that you do. Um, and I think that he just saw my relationships that I built with our teammates and, and, you know, being a, being a leader and being a captain in our room, you know, like I said earlier, relationships are kind of my, my big thing. I think it's the most important thing in life and in, in work. And, uh, you know, I think he saw some of those strengths and I was fortunate enough for him to, to take me under his wing and teach me a lot. And then will actually left after my first year coaching with him to take a scouting job with uh, the Washington capitals. That's how he got close with George McPhee and things like that. When, when they moved to uh, Vegas and, uh, and Chris Brooks came in who Brooks, he's a a Stratford, Ontario boy. He, uh, he played at Western Michigan and then he coached at Western Michigan in division one hockey for a long time. And he was actually coaching in the central hockey league as a head coach and wanted to go back to college. So he, he came in and got the head coaching job at Stevens Point, and I was I was extremely lucky that he kept me on because I had I had zero ties to Brooksy and um, worked under him for two years, and he's become a, a great friend of mine, and, and I learned a ton from him through that process. So, I got very fortunate with some of my my uh, you know being able to be on these staffs early on and the people that I got to work with.
2: Uh, last one for me, I wanted to ask you briefly about Helena playing in in Montana with the Bighorns. Uh, it, that was as it was a on. player in the NAHL, and it. I don't know. think there's a a, a, a high-caliber junior hockey loop that goes through uh, Montana at the moment. I know the WHL used to be there in Billings uh, and the yep. NHL as well with Helena, but uh, what was it like there? Do you, do you think junior hockey should find its way back there, whether it's the the, the NHL or the USHL or the Dub?
1: I do, I do, and, and I believe there's been some maybe junior B or tier 3, whatever it's called now in the state's um, leagues, uh, that have come through there since I left. Um, but I definitely do. I, I think they could easily have a North American league, uh, you know, a Western division or whatever you want to call it again, because those, those cities were awesome. The, um, you know, the experience for me just, just being able to live in a, in a state like Montana and, um, you know, be around that type of environment for, for, you know, the better part of three seasons when I was there just allowed me to grow a lot as a person and a player. And, um, the fans were tremendous. The tra- towns were tremendous. You know, we had us, we had Billings, we had Bozeman. Uh, you know, the buildings were packed every night. People loved it. And i um, 100%. I agree. I think that I think that they could definitely have some tier two hockey at least uh, back in those cities. But obviously, I, I don't make those decisions. Yeah. But I would support it 100%. But what a great town and what a great experience.
2: Are those facilities still there? Like, were they up to modern standards?
1: You know what? They they definitely were. Bozeman had a great rink, and unfortunately, I've heard that Bozeman's rink is not an ice arena anymore. I want to say uh. they might have turned it into a beer distributor. Uh, cooler maybe or something, but um, the Helena Ice Arena, I believe, is still there. I'm not sure if Billings is still there. That was a little bit of an older barn at the time, but um, I, I think it would be great because again, the fans were tremendous. It was just such a cool atmosphere, and I mean, being able to live in a state like that where where it's a little bit it's a lot different than you know for me in New York City or yeah. Austin, Texas, where I grew up. Uh, it was a great experience.
2: Well, Coach, I enjoyed this conversation a lot. Thank you for uh, for making the time for me here on the Pipeline Show. Wish you the best of luck. Uh, the rest of the way this season.
1: Gee, thank you so much. I appreciate it a lot. Take care.
2: That was Tom Upton from the Madison Capitals. The uh, Madcaps have their next three games are all against the Green Bay Gamblers. They play uh, tonight and tomorrow. It's a home at home. And then again on November 6th against Green Bay once again. That'll be a home date on the 6th as well. So we'll be watching to see how those Capitals uh, continue to play this year. Real interesting that offense by committee is uh, getting it done for them, and uh, it's, it's good to see. It, to me, it's impressive that they're able to pick up not even right where they left off because they were you know a middling team when we last saw them playing. But after a year where they didn't play at all, uh, some of those players come back from other teams, rejoin the uh, Madcaps, and uh, they are absolutely clicking right now. All right, our next segment will be a 2022 draft spotlight. One of the top players ranked for the upcoming NHL draft. He plays for the Winnipeg Ice, happened to be in the USHL last year with the Dubuque Fighting Saints, of course. That's Matthew Savoy. Let's get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
1: Second round pick of the Colorado Avalanche over to Gutman, to Savoy! And he's got a hat trick! Start throwing the hats! give up the $24 hat throw it on the ice for carter savoy
0: this is carter savoy from the sherd park crusaders and you're listening to the pipeline show
1: time alberta junior hockey league champions the spruce grove saints are back and welcoming fans to the grant fewer arena for the 2021-22 season a community-minded junior a hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from nine to fifteen dollars with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town for more information on tickets and how you can become a partner go to SpruceGroveSaints.ca.
2: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
1: The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better.
2: Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, a program brought to you by our title sponsor. That is Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is Alberta's best beef jerky. Two locations, Leduc, Spruce Grove. But if you can't make it into uh, those two spots anywhere in Western Canada, any order, any size, they will ship it to you anywhere. In Western Canada, that's com. Let's flick on the 2022 draft spotlight. And uh, my guest today, well, he's not going to have to wait long on draft day to hear his name called, as uh, he and the Winnipeg Ice are ripping it up this year, Matthew Savoy. Matt, welcome to the program. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
2: Pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. You've got a really busy week. Just for the benefit of the listeners, you and I are talking on Monday. Most people will hear this come out this weekend on Friday uh, when the ice are here in Edmonton to take on the Oil Kings, but we're chatting on Monday. You got a busy week, four games in five days uh, this week, as a matter of fact, but uh, your team playing extremely well, nine and O out of the gate this year. You're uh, among the top scorers in the league. I have to think that everything is going pretty much according to script for you guys.
0: Oh uh, yeah. I think uh, the start of the season has been really well for us. Uh, every game, we're just trying to keep building and, uh, and getting better. So, there's obviously areas that we can improve on, but for the most part, I think uh, I think we've had a pretty successful start to the season. You're
2: outscoring everybody, and it's not even close. Uh, the ice have, as we're speaking right now, 58 goals, uh, and nobody else uh, even has 35 yet. Is that the biggest difference in your opinion? Is that just the way you guys are filling the net?
0: Uh, I think lines one through four can score. We get a lot, we got a lot of depth on our team, and and the way we defend well, I think creates a lot of offense for us. Um, it all starts in the D zone, and sticking to our system, and uh, we work our, we work the puck from there, and, and our transition game has been really well. Big challenge for your club, though, this week,
2: going on to your first big extended road trip and a lot of games in a short period of time. How do you prepare for this week and the tour, this gauntlet you're running through Alberta?
0: Yeah, Obviously, uh, the boys are really excited to come to Alberta. It's our first time coming this year, and uh, it's good to be back on the road with the guys, you know, with COVID and being everything. It's been kind of isolated. It was a weird year last year, so... I think uh, it's mostly excitement coming from our group, and you know we're we're excited to see these teams and uh, and play well.
2: Is the game against Edmonton on Friday? Is that when you've had circled uh, on the calendar? Not just because you know the Oil Kings expected to be one of the top teams so are the ice, so it's a big matchup that way. You're also an Edmonton kid, so you're going to be playing in front of a lot of friends and family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's always special coming back to Edmonton and, and seeing lots of my family, friends family and friends come out and support me. So uh, I always look forward to uh, to playing in Edmonton, and, and I'm really excited for it.
2: All right. Uh, Matt, what we like to do in this part of the show is let my audience get to know somebody draft eligible like you are. So uh, there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans, might not be WHL fans, might not watch the ice, and might not really be fami- all that familiar with you. So for the benefit of those people, uh, let's get some background. We just mentioned and established you're from Edmonton. Uh, have you always been a forward, Matt?
0: Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've always been a centerman, um, played wing a couple of times, uh, in the last few years, but mainly a centerman and, uh, yeah, always been a forward.
2: When you were a kid, I imagine you started playing really young as as most Canadians do, but with an older brother in Carter Savoy, <laughs> who's been on the show here in the past, Edmonton Oilers prospect, uh, he's ripping it up at Denver, uh, right now again for the second year in a row, but as a little brother and I have an older brother too. And when I was a kid, I just wanted to do whatever my older brother was doing. Take me back when you're three or four years old. You're watching him play. Is that part of how you got involved in hockey?
0: Oh, absolutely. My dad. Uh, my dad was also a big part of it. He put us both in into hockey when we were really young and taught us how to skate. So I think uh, growing up, me and Carter always supported each other. You know, going to games, cheering each other on. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's really really nice to see him having success there in Denver, and uh, I'm always supporting him
2: and I know at one point you were supposed to be going to Denver as well. And we know all the situation about uh, exceptional status with hockey Canada and all that coming uh, not going your way, but was it an easy or a difficult decision to move away from the college commitment with the pioneers uh, and play in the WHL?
0: Yeah, I was definitely torn between the two options. I think they're both great options. Uh, it really depends what type of player you are and what you're looking for. So I thought, uh, I thought for me personally, the, the Western league was the better route and I thought Winnipeg was a great fit for me.
2: Uh, not getting the exceptional status. I, I have to think, I think it'd be natural for, to be pretty disappointed with that. The way things have worked out uh, is, I mean, is that just a motivator for you? You kind of use that and put a chip on your shoulder a bit.
0: Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I think I didn't look too deep into it and, kind of struck it off but uh, i think it definitely motivated me to you know show people what i can do and uh, i think uh, i think i've done a good job of that and uh, i'm really looking forward to to play my first full uh western league season this year
2: now well take me back to those first 22 games a couple of years ago before covid came in and and what that big step was like for you uh, no goals that year seven points but remember people have to remember you're really young that season as well how do you feel it went
0: Yeah, I thought that was more of a uh, development season for me, you know, flopping back between uh, the rank U18 team and and the Western League. I thought practicing with the Western League full time was really good. And and I thought uh, I learned a lot that year that that's going to help me for this year.
2: Interesting situation last year for you, uh, yourself and a few other WHLers went to the USHL because nobody knew for sure if the dub was even going to play last year. Uh, it seems like it on paper it worked out pretty well for you. You had a nice, comfortable landing spot in Dubuque with the with the Fighting Saints, a strong team, and you had more than a point per game there. I know you had previously had a relationship with Dubuque if you were going to continue going the college route, so a familiarity there. What was last year like for you, Matt?
0: Uh, yeah, last year being COVID it was definitely a weird year with with a lot of things up in the air. But um, I thought I thought it was a really good uh, chance for me to go work on my game in the U.S. and a little bit of a different environment. Um, I, I was always familiar with Dubuque, you know, being committed to Denver yeah. a couple of years ago. That was always the uh, the plan to go play in the USHL for for the Fighting Saints. So uh, it was good to get down there and, and meet the guys and, and they welcomed me really well. And I, I thought I uh, learned a lot down there.
2: I was going to ask, you know, what do you take away from last year and how much of this year's success can you attribute to last year and, and getting to play 34 games with the, the Fighting Saints as opposed to you know 2024 20, if you'd still been around uh, to play in the sub hub in in regina
0: yeah i always think uh, playing more games for development is, is always a positive you know yeah you, you kind of dip your toes in at the start and then get into a rhythm um i think i learned a lot down there i thought my coaching staff was really good uh you know whether it was skill work after practice um or just just whatever they were teaching me i thought uh I thought my teammates also really helped me out really well. We had a a bit of an an older team, so um, they kind of took me under their wing and uh, showed me the ropes.
2: Uh, Matt, the uh, NHL draft coming up this summer, obviously it's a big season for you. Everybody has you as a a first rounder. Most people have you as a top 10 pick. Do you spend much time thinking about the draft? Or because you know, there's no question you're going to get drafted, it's just a matter of when, does that take some of that pressure off of you?
0: Uh, For me personally, I think I just try and block out most of the exterior noise you know try and focus on my own game and and our team success I think that's the biggest part for me and um it's, it's nice having a guy like geeky on the team as well because we're both kind of going through the same thing and um it's nice to have a guy to talk to about that and he can talk to me so um yeah I think I just try and focus on my game and, and how we're playing is there a, a
2: friendly, not not a rivalry, but is there friendly competition between the two of you this year to, you know, who's going to get drafted first or, you know, just the putting up points at, at different rates? I mean, you guys could both shoot the lights out competing with each other and it's only going to benefit the team. But
0: uh, is there some healthy competition? Uh, I think in practice, we definitely push each other. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say uh, mo- more competition. I'd say more, we're, we're more, we more support each other. We want to see each other succeed and um yeah i think we wish uh we wish all the best for each other
2: uh matt uh, uh we we touched on carter a little bit before he's off to a great start at denver i guess maybe maybe not competition when you're a kid either but brothers can push each other to be better as well that's fair to say
0: yeah absolutely we were always you know messing around on the outdoor range or whether it was playing road hockey or stuff like that i think um we both learned a lot from each other growing up uh we're, we're two different people and and uh I've learned a lot from him, you know. Uh, him being two years older, just seeing what he's going through and how he does it, and and stuff like that. And, you know, challenging each other in different areas of the game, and whether it's shooting pucks or whatever. Um, yeah, I think he he's been a really big uh big supporter of mine. Different people, but
2: how different are you as players, or are you are there more similarities between the two of you as players?
0: Um, I'm not sure. I think uh, I think we're pretty pretty similar, but but we have some differences as players. You know, yeah. Um, I think he's, he likes to shoot the puck, so do I, and I think we can both make plays, so. Uh,
2: the WHL's website lists you at 5'9", 178
0: pounds. How up to date is that? Uh, camp this year, I measured in at 5'10", 176, I believe. How important
2: is a healthy flow up top? You got, you got great
0: hockey hair. Yeah, I've been, uh, growing <laughs> it out since, since COVID started. I never really had the long hair, but, but when, uh, when the hairdressers closed, I, I thought, why not? And kind of just stuck with it. Well, it's a
2: good way to get an ex, extra inch or half an inch.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, Matt, uh, being an Edmonton area kid, were, were the Oilers your team growing up, or were you uh, cheering for somebody else?
0: Always an Oilers fan. I grew up uh, loving the Oilers, and they were always my favorite team. So,
2: Well, pretty cool. Then Carter gets to be drafted by the Oilers, and, and who knows what happens for you. Matt, uh, I really appreciate your time today. I wish you the best of luck the rest of the season be exciting to see the ice and the Oil Kings clashing on Friday. Thanks for doing this.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
2: Matthew Savoy of the Winnipeg Ice. The ice in town to play the Edmonton Oil Kings tonight. If you're hearing this on Saturday, well, the ice are in Lethbridge to play the Hurricanes. They've gone through Alberta the last uh, couple of games after I had that chat with uh, Matthew. Uh, No points for Matthew Savoy against Red Deer or Calgary. Both those games... Closer, they came. They were, they were competitive right into the third period, late stages of the third period. Uh, but Winnipeg wins both of them. They are 11-0 and now coming into this weekend's action against Edmonton and Lethbridge. Impressive season start for the Winnipeg Ice, no question about that. And Matthew Savoy, 16 points in 11 games. That does it for this week's episode, unfortunately, as it had a couple of late cancellations. One of those guests should be joining me next week. I'll tell you about that in a second, but it's cleanup time. If you haven't got a bidet yet, hellotushy.com pipeline is where you go. You get an automatic 10% off just for using that URL. It's much better for you. It's better for the environment, and uh, your wallet is going to appreciate it as well as you'll save a lot of money uh, not having to buy nearly as much toilet paper as frequently uh, once you've got your bidet from hellotoshi.com slash pipeline. Now, next week, I'm well, you know, i I'm, I'm worried that if I mention the name, I'll jinx it because that's what happened last week when I said Chris Hebb, the BCHL commissioner, uh, was confirmed to uh, come on the show this week. And then that didn't happen. So maybe I won't mention, but uh, there was a player who was supposed to be another 2022 draft spotlight this week. That one got pushed back to Monday, this coming Monday. So uh, there should be a player from the Guelph Storm. There's a lot of draft eligible guys from that club. Uh, I'm expected to speak with him on Monday, so patrons will get to hear that Monday evening, and then uh, that'll be part of next week's show. Open door, I guess, for the BCHL's uh, Commissioner, Chris Hebb, to uh, come on the show. I'll reach out to them uh, once again. This will be the third or fourth time uh, that I've attempted to get him on the show. But on top of that, uh, whatever happens uh, this weekend might drive uh, the guest list for next week, so uh, tune in for that. Uh, Between now and next week, everybody, uh, stay safe. If you can, get out and watch some junior and college hockey or make use of the uh, various streaming packages that, that are available, and that way you and I can talk about it next week here on The Pipeline Show. The program is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawk Beef Jerky. Until next week, everybody, my name is Guy Flaming. See ya.